now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Lindsay Banks, author, medium, seeress, and founder of the Temple of Woman. She has written down all of the experiences that have come her way in hope that it may help others on her spiritual journey. Lindsay, thank you so much for being our guest today and welcome. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. All right. If you don't mind, let's learn a little bit about your background. How did you become a medium? So mediumship was something that I became interested in as a young girl. I found a book in my grandma's house called Voices in My Ear by a lady, Doris Stokes. And I remember reading that when I was about 10 and being fascinated by the fact that there was more to this life than what I'd already been told. And I sort of left it for a few years and I went and got, I went to university, got a degree in international business, um, went into the world of retail and was working as a retail manager. And it was only when I was working there that I realized how stressed I was. You know, I was drinking 10 cups of coffee a day. I was smoking 40 cigarettes a day. I wasn't very healthy. And I came across Reiki. And as I was, the more I was practicing Reiki, the more I started just to get these little nudges and voices that were coming through. And I remember the first time a spirit came through, I was at a pamper evening giving a lady some Reiki who I'd never met. And I felt as if there was a person behind me looking over my shoulder. And this voice just kept saying, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? What is this? And it was very persistent. And in my mind, I had to say, look, can you just step back? And afterwards, I said to the lady, I said, look, there was a woman here whilst I was giving you Reiki. I don't know if it's going to make any sense, but I feel like it was your grandma. And she kept asking all these questions. And the lady started laughing and she said, oh, today was the one year anniversary of my grandma's passing. And she was very inquisitive. She was very curious. So that made sense. So that sort of shocked me a bit initially that I was like, how, how did I do that? You know, but I feel like it's because I was very open to the energies. And then it wasn't until around 2017, 2018, when I went to a local spiritualist church with a friend of mine. So they had been told they could they could be a clairvoyant, they could be a medium. So I went along to support them. And I was just getting messages through. And I was to me, it didn't make any sense. But as I was speaking them, the messages were making sense to the people listening. And they could identify whether it was a relative or someone in their family or a friend. And so from there, I was like, wow, I was like, I can't believe that these messages are coming through. So... I started practicing doing pairs you feel readings in on Facebook and again you know just really sort of trusting and practicing the the skill of mediumship and that's I suppose how it started to come through you know I said the word cirrus and um what is a cirrus so I often play with the words that I use to describe myself because mm-hmm. You know, this we've got so many different labels. We can often put ourselves in boxes. And I came upon this word through watching a Netflix um, series recently. And for me, a theorist is somebody who can see beyond either the words that are being said by a person or see beyond a situation that is currently happening or seeing beyond the world events. And 
being able to see at some point within the future what that's going to look like but not quite seeing how it's going to manifest or how it's going to unfold so i suppose it's seeing beyond the physical and seeing beyond the literal um for me is what i see mm. cus as being okay see it cleared it up for me because i was thinking maybe you saw the future sort of can so i can i have visions where I can see where the world is going, where the earth is going. And some of this has come through in channelings and some of it is a knowing that I know that we're going to be in this space or this is going to happen, um, etc. When you're doing the channelings, do you hear the voice and tell everybody what the voice is telling you or do you let the voice kind of take over your body and speak through you? So the way that I work with channeling, when I first started doing it, again, everything that I've done is a surprise to myself. And I'm like, wow, you know, I don't, I, I, I never knew I could do this. So when I first started channeling, it was through writing and just allowing the words to come through and sharing them through written words. And this first started when I was writing my first book back in 2017. And I wasn't exactly sure where the words were coming from, who the words were coming from, but it wasn't my writing. Sometimes I get given words and I don't always know what they fully mean. Um, so, so it started like that. And then some of the messages I felt I then needed to vocalize and to share with others. So I started sharing my channelings on my YouTube channel. And some of them were from other beings, like from spirits. Some of them were from other beings like the Palladians. And the, the one of the only ones that I did where I just went straight on YouTube and recorded it was with John Lennon. And it's because his energy was like an excited teenager. And he was like, come on, Lindsay, we're going to do this. You don't need to write down my words first. I'm just going to share with you the words that need to be said. Um, so I haven't yet allowed anything to take over my physical body so that's known as trans mediumship or physical mm. trance where you allow some another beings you know when you get in between that period of sleep and relaxation it's like there's a voice comes or sounds come out of my throat um but i haven't fully gone into depth with that or explored that all right well we spoke offline about you are willing to channel some people for us. So are you ready to get into it? Yeah. All right. So Just, I've never done this before. So, you know, but I'm very excited by it. So uh, okay. yeah, well, it we'll see how it has. If you don't mind, if you can, let's start with Princess Diana. Uh, so, okay. So just to say, so when Princess Diana first came through to me, mm -hmm. um, I remember telling my, my mom and my mom's um, response was, why would Princess Diana come through to you? And I was yeah. like, why not? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but she, she came through and she just comes through with this beautiful green sparkle and energy. And she's very vibrant, etc. So let me just see um, if I can connect. Just bear with me one minute. Okay. Okay, so one of the things that Princess Diana spoke to me about when she came through last time was around leadership. And I feel as if she wants to speak a little bit more about that at the minute in terms of how she used her, I want to say feminine ways to be able to bring people together 
and she's talking about like spreading magic wherever you go and the way that she led um wasn't she's saying it's like not the traditional way that we've been taught to lead it's not about coming from a place of hierarchy or a place of power but the way that she was able to lead people was by getting everyone involved and she's making me want to do this it's like surrounding them with our love and with our words as well so even though she wasn't the loud make make too much noise she was very soft you know very subtle and she's saying that no matter what your voice sounds like no matter what your voice seems like it's the words that are most important and that are that's just there would, there would be and she's just talking about having such gratitude for the gifts that people would bring her as well and she's just saying that that touched her heart and that meant so much to her that often people who you know maybe didn't have the material things that she did or maybe didn't have any wealth they would always bring something little and she's saying that she she kept these somewhere i don't know where it is but she was saying that gratitude that she felt you know she feels like it was an honor to serve the people and to be of service that was that was part of her purpose in this lifetime was yeah okay it was to be of service but she's saying that she never wanted to be queen um and she never really wanted to be in she never really wanted to be a princess but what she's saying she recognized was that that was her path that was where she needed to be and she's saying that she sort of like she became more more real and more not accessible but more in tune with people when she went through what she did with prince charles and the divorce and then dating she feels like she, she could become more of a real person then whereas originally the whole princess identity to her was very I want to say false it was like she presented these smiles and she presented herself as this being which she was meant to be but actually underneath all of that was her as a woman and as a mom and she's just saying that you know the, the people who were closest to her saw her for who she really was but the role that she played within the royal family it was like a portrayal of of what a princess should be um and she's saying you know she was authentic she was honest when she was having these interactions with people um that would come to see her but yeah she just keeps talking about gratitude just how much gratitude she had okay let me say and she's saying she never really felt as if she fitted in with the royal family she feel she felt like a bit like an outsider because she had her own opinions, her beliefs, her values. But she wasn't when she first went in, she wasn't in that place to stand up for herself and to speak up not only for herself, but for others. So she's shown it's like, rather than being, you know, like outwardly speaking and shouting about stuff, she sort of, she's shown me doing this and sort of like going, going beneath everything to be able to help more people so you know like with the the work she did with the landmines and she's saying that 
what she was passionate about and her causes, they were things which she she did quietly. She didn't go out there saying, look, this is me. She's, she's saying, you know, that wasn't my personality. That wasn't who I was. Um, she's just saying she was quite an introvert, but she also recognized how much impact she could have, not only on the lives of the world. Can you ask her what are her thoughts on her daughter-in-law, Meghan Markle? She's saying that Meghan has a role to fulfill as well. And she resonates with Meghan because Meghan was an outsider as well, coming into the royal family. She's saying that the reason Meghan's come in is to stir things up. She's just shown me like stirring the pot. And it's because, because she's not of royal blood, she's making a difference to how the royal family structure is going to be going forward so she's just saying something about like about disbanding so i feel as if yeah i feel as if she identifies with megan because i feel as if even though megan has been in the spotlight and in the media she's also quite introverted and i feel like she is actually quite shy underneath um But she feels as if she's saying like Megan's a steady force for Harry and is good for him. And she's happy. She's happy that Megan is pursuing her own interests, I want to say, and that she's stuck to her beliefs and her values and hasn't been drawn in to the way that the royal family were working. Okay. She likes her. Okay, that's good. Did Princess Diana have a sole contract before she was born that she was going to become princess. Yes. Would Princess Diana have married Dodie if she had lived? Yes. Yes. So, let me just say. Yeah, so what she's saying is that Dodie saw her as a woman and not as princess diana so you know and i think this is something that can sometimes come through when someone's in the spotlight they become this identity geordie she was able to show her for the woman that she was without the titles without the royal family behind her um and She's saying, you know, she knows that it was controversial at the time that, you know, she was with this man that wasn't of the same ethnicity, that wasn't of the same, you know, blood lineage or anything like that. But for her, it was like, I'm just going to like the word escapism. It was, he was her way of allowing her to be her in her years before she passed. And she's saying she had fun with him. She said, you know, it was like an adventure and it was like, it was just different. She felt free. That's what I'm getting. She felt free to be with this man and to be with him and to love him and to enjoy spending time with him. What are her thoughts on Charles and Camilla? Okay, so she knew that when she married Charles, it was with love. And she knew that Charles would end up both of their roles to fulfill and their duties to do. So, she, yeah, she said she's happy that he's happy. 
she's just talking now like about la there's lots of lies and deceptions and she's showing me what looks like a really intricate cobweb where it's like if one thing was was released if one thing that was shared was the truth the whole thing would start to unravel she's saying there's been a lot of secrecy around the royal family over the last however many years and there are some things which are discussed within those walls which have never been released and the only things which have been released about the family has been those things that they wanted people to know what other lies can she reveal to us she's just laughing she's like there are so many mm -hmm. <laughs> um and you know when I, when she first came through one of the reasons that she said that she was killed was because she knew too much and um the family didn't want those secrets being revealed just see if there's anything in particular she can share because she's just saying there's there is a lot of secret control there's a lot to do with power there's a lot to do with money and at the minute there's a lot still embedded and invested in different places and um, she's just saying there's been a lot of people who have been bought off I don't know what exactly what that means or who they are. But you are saying that she was purposely killed. That's that's what she shared with me when she first came through in 2020. She said she knew she was going to be killed. She knew why. She said she knew too much. That was her words. Hmm. Um, again, she didn't reveal everything. And she's very much sort of bringing th things through, you know, in little bits here and little bits there. Because... There's a lot of truths in the world that have been hidden. And as they come out, the more that they come out, the more it's going to make people always known, which is going to be really difficult for many people. So she's just saying, you know, trust the stories that are starting to come out. Trust that the truth will come out, but it's going to be done gradually in a way that's not going to massively impact people's minds or states does she have any messages for her friends like elton john or anybody else okay okay so she's just said to me that they weren't necessarily our friends but they were acquaintances and they were people who were brought in to help her to keep the peace to keep quiet um let me just ask. Okay. She, she, she's saying that Michael Jackson was one of her true friends. She was saying that she recognized the light within him as she had this light within herself. She's saying they were both light workers in different ways, whereas she was very shy and quiet. You know, he was very much, well, he was shy and quiet initially, but he was, it's more that he would, he would, hold on. Let's just bear. Okay. It, he would go on the stage to share what he what was his passion and his gift and it was his music that would bring people together so like how she would do it in her way from her heart and through her words he would do it from his heart and through his music so I feel like they had a really strong connection I feel like they would have both known each other in past lives as well um and I feel like some of the friendships that she would have had weren't always the ones in the public eye so the ones in the public eye like I said I feel like she's seen their acquaintances there were people that she would meet 
but they still didn't really know her as a person. You know, it was all on this superficial level. Um, so her real friends, they knew who she was underneath the labels, underneath the stuff that she was told to say, shall I say. But she just, okay, let me just ask. She's saying for, for, her, for her real friends that are still living, that she's encouraging them to be of service in their way as well. And to remember her as the woman that she was rather than this label. And cause she's feel, she feels as well, like people would have put her on a pedestal, like she could do no wrong, you know, and that she was this perfect woman. And she's saying, I wasn't perfect, Lindsay. I made my mistakes, you know, I had my own experiences. And as and when things sort of unraveled with, with it was as if like a pedestal was knocked out from underneath her. But she was happy about that because she was like, she's just saying it was so difficult to attain that perfection and to be that perfect princess 24 seven. She said, it just, it's not, it's not a way to live. You cannot be a perfect person. She's saying, you know, own up to your mistakes, take responsibility for your actions. And yeah, she's, she's just saying, there's, she's just saying don't put anyone on a pedestal, you know, because even though people may come across as being this perfect human being, that's not what being a human being is about. She's saying, you know, we're allowed to make our own mistakes and we have our own gifts that we can share, but we also need to have our own experiences of life. And it's only through having those bumps in the road and coming to those crossroads and maybe going down the path that you thought was best, but that isn't, you know, that's when then you can then develop empathy with others and compassion. She was just saying it's only when we share mistakes that we have made when we share our experiences with others that we can then bring people together that we can develop empathy and compassion for others and she's just saying there's not one human being on this earth who is perfect mm. you know this question is for Lindsay. Lindsay, what kind of feeling do you get when you're channeling princess diana what are your thoughts and feelings and emotions about her so when Princess Diana comes through, the feeling that I get is just immense amounts of love and just this feeling of immense gratitude for her time on this earth plane. And it's, I feel like she's very articulate, you know, when she speaks, she very much thinks about the words that she speaks before she speaks them. And it's as if when she was here, that she was channeling, but not in a way where she would say, oh, I'm channeling. You know, the words that came through, she was always very, I feel particular and careful about the words that she picks. Yeah, it's interesting that she is, like you said, very particular and, and wants to be precise with her words. Mm. Yeah, she's not a mumbler at all. You know, there are some spirits who come through who are either really quick and I can't keep up with them. Sometimes the mumble, but she's definitely got the feeling of somebody who's very practiced in their speech and practiced in um, speaking from their heart as well. So when you are just channeling her, are you hearing her voice or are you just getting like pictures and symbols in your mind? It's often pictures and symbols in my mind, but it's also feelings as well. Um, so like I said, you know, in terms of like feeling that love, feeling that happiness and yeah, it's it's not like there's a voice here saying, right, Lindsay, this is what you need to say. 
again, it's just like words dropping in and mm-hmm. and then closing my eyes. And like when I close my eyes, it's like being able to see her. So there was a couple of images that I saw when I was channeling her, um, you know, like working with the landmines and seeing her, you know, in her work gear and not being afraid to get stuck in and get her hands dirty. So it's a combination of, of the feelings and just the words coming through. Mm. Who is your favorite person to channel? Oh, well, I really enjoyed channeling Winston Churchill. I just, he first appeared to me when I was in the shower and I had to ask him to please step outside mm. and wait until I'd had, um, until I'd had my shower. So he was, he was just an interesting character and Again, he's very he's he's very good at speeches, very good at speaking, um, but he's also actually got a sense of humour. So that was something actually when the the very first person that I channeled, who's well known, was was William Shakespeare, and when he came through, he just he made me laugh because he said, you know, he said, "There's all these paintings and pictures of me across the world," and he said. I wasn't always so serious. He said, I had a brilliant sense of humor and I was always laughing, but none of these pictures show me laughing, mm. you know, which made me chuckle because I was like, yeah, I see he was being serious. <laughs> Do any of these people just come to you without asking regularly and you have to like kind of close it down? No. So a lot of the more, a lot of the more famous leader, shall we say, they all came through in 2020 when everything had gone a bit quieter. Um, um, Martin Luther King has been coming through quite strongly this last couple of weeks. And he's very much guided me to learn about speeches, to learn about, a, I think it's called a ratorship, you know, about mm-hmm. speaking from the heart. So I feel like he's guiding me right now in terms of like reading books and learning more about how to give really good speeches i don't know the reasons why but that's where i feel he's guiding me at the minute and you know i popped into a community center last week and the first book that was there was a book by martin luther king which had been written by his wife winnie i just feel very sort of um i suppose grateful that you know they've chosen to share their messages with me which I've then shared with others you know because I did ask them I was like what do you want me to do with these messages so I did put them all into a book but I'm also I have very little fear and I was just like you know what I'm going to share these messages on YouTube in the hope that whoever needs to hear them will hear them at the right time and what's right for them. Who else would you like to channel? Anything that comes to mind? No, you know what I think would be interesting? Just throw throw out a name. Throw me, throw me a name of somebody and let's see what comes up. Yeah. All right. Well, you mentioned John Lennon earlier. Let's see what comes up. Okay. Okay, so... Again, he again. I'm just getting this sense of feeling with him again that he was very introverted, and you know he was saying that he was so pleased to be like living in the 1960s when he did, because the energies he said you know felt very high vibrational at that time, and it was something that he really that was part of his reason for being here was to keep others in that high vibration as well, 
and I don't feel like he had much baggage you know when he came to earth I feel like he was a fairly new-ish soul and part of his reason for being there was he had this lightness about him you know it, it feels like a really light energy you know when some people come through and they have past lives they have a lot of baggage and, and karma um but I feel like his role was to do very similar to what Diana did he's like I brought people together through music that was his gift that was his offering to the world and he's saying you know he's really pleased that people are still listening to his music you know and are still sort of like embracing it because he's saying that he also took particular care with the words when he was writing his songs and he never he's saying I never wanted to be famous you know he didn't feel when he was younger that he he was going to be famous he's saying that he just kept following his heart and trusting himself and he said as the as he was playing from his heart and the more that he was you know trusting his intuition the more opportunities that opened up to him the more doors that opened and he said you know he said he just kept going along with it and going oh this is interesting you know this is fun and he's saying when things stopped becoming fun then he would step away from it and retreat and i don't He's saying that he was very conscious that he was in the public eye, but he also needed his own space and not only like to reflect, but also to create. And he's saying that often creation comes from when you're in a really dark or deep space. And he's saying, you know, he's saying sometimes he sits and listens to others, you know, who are creating music and it's like, I, he's just feel, I just feel as if he's doing this to people and going, you know, come on, you can do it. This needs to be shared in the world. Let's mm -hmm. do it. So I feel as if, you know, his energy's his energy's around a lot of people. And, you know, a friend of mine has had contact with John Lennon, but he's just saying he wants people to play more music and not play it, you know, to be in the top 100 or play music because you love it. He's saying, write music because you love it. You know, he's saying whatever it is that you love is what you're like, what you need to do. And by doing what you love and following it will lead to greater things than you might even think possible. And he's just shown me this image of someone just sat in a bedroom, you know, with the guitar thinking, oh, this will never work. This will never be me. He's like, don't think about it. You know, don't think about what could be or what could not be. He's saying, do what you love and embrace it. And the more that you do it, the more that you share your music, the more that you share your writings, the more opportunities are going to come your way. And he's saying, keep the, you know, keep the vibrations like, keep them really high. And he's saying, your mu like people's music, I, I, I can't play music, but he's saying people's music will bring people together, you know, in a way that nothing else can. Music has got such a profound effect on us as human beings that the more people who are out there singing from their hearts the greater the impact's going to be okay he gets very excited mm. <laughs> very passionate about what he does um okay yeah he's just saying the earth needs more music he's like play your music you know just keep playing it and he's saying play it in the streets play it on the beach you know wherever you are just start and he's saying like you know you don't know where your path is going to lead to you don't know what your end journey looks like so have fun along the way enjoy creating you know enjoy creating 
whatever that looks like, whether it's interviews, whether it's music, whether it's art. And he's saying, don't box yourself in either. He's saying, you know, he started off playing and then writing. And, you know, he's saying the world is massive. You don't just have to be a guitar player. You don't just have to be a writer. You don't just have to be a musician. You can be anything. And it can change. He's saying, you know, be fluid with it as well. You can change over time and over the months. So one day you might be a writer, the next day you might be a musician, the next day an artist. He's saying explore all avenues of yourself and allow your gifts to really come through and to share them with others. <laughs> I said he's quite passionate. <laughs> Can you ask him whose decision was it to end the Beatles? And why? He's saying that it, it had come to a point where they needed to go their separate ways. And what he's saying is that the values, not only of the band members, but also of those around them, weren't aligned anymore. I feel as if he's saying that they became, and again, it's, it's a little bit like Diana, but he's saying they became, it, it's like they became a unit and the individual was forgotten about. So the unique skills and talents of every single member all became into this one unit, which was the Beatles. And he's saying, we need, again, it was that, he's, he's making me feel stifled. And like, we all needed to just go and explore and create our own paths. So it feels, he's saying it was mutually exclusive, mutual, it was mutually exclusive mutually agreed um but yeah he was he's just saying it just didn't fit anymore with because he was saying you know they'd grown they'd grown in in the public spotlight and they'd grown under the um like under the eyes of the public but he was saying and like i said you know what I'm, I'm getting like what the moguls wanted. I don't know what you call them, but you know, like all the producers and what everyone else wanted for the Beatles wasn't what they wanted for themselves or for the group. So the it, it just felt like it needed to be disbanded and they all wanted to explore different ways of being and working and creating. Um, so that's why you're saying that's what happened. It's been reported that John saw a UFO from his apartment building in New York City. Can he comment on that? I'm just getting, he's just laughing. He's like, of course I did. Mm. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, so he's just showing me the sky. Like he's showing me that he would often sit and look up at the night sky. And he's just saying that he always had, that this this sense of home being somewhere else and I just feel like he would have had guidance from an external source shall we say and but he never felt like he was safe enough to share that you know so like his music that could have been channeled so let me just say he's saying that's not the only one he saw He's saying he saw lots more that was going on in the skies. Um, but that was one that, again, he's just saying, you know, 
be careful about what you read about in the newspapers because sometimes it's one thing, you know, that they want to create something. They want to share a little bit of truth at the time, but not all of the truth. So he's saying, yeah, he's just saying I saw many, many things in the night sky, Lindsay. And not only in the night sky, but he's saying he saw quite a lot in visions as well and meditations, but he didn't always want to share them. So some of that he kept to himself or he shared with his wife. And, but yeah, the UFOs, he was like, He's just laughing because he's like, there's UFOs everywhere. You know, the government tell us there's UFOs, but for some reason, he's just saying people don't want to believe in them. Who was his favorite non-Beatle musician? Okay, I've just got to say the first word that came in my mind was Chuck Berry. Mm. I, I'm, I have no idea about Chuck Berry music, but he's he's... The way that John Lennon's showing me is like he's tapping his foot along to it and he's like he's got the beat and he's listening to it and yeah he's that's just the the name that came in so Chuck Berry it is all right well I'm gonna move on a little bit here you have a YouTube channel and it's called Lindsay Banks right and on your channel I saw one of your videos that was called what is a dark angel so um, what is a dark angel? So, yeah, so I was drawing these angels and I just asked, you know, what is it that I've drawn? And I got given the words dark angel. And, you know, many people see or maybe believe that angels are of love and light and these beautiful beings that are here to spread peace. But actually, there's also other beings on this planet, in this world, and dark angels have chosen a really difficult job to do. So they've chosen to instigate wars, for example, in order to root out corruption. And it's, you know, often when we're in, in these spaces where awful catastrophic events are happening across, and that sort of goes back a bit to where the CUS comes in, is that even though there's events that are currently going on, which may be deemed to be horrific and, you know, catastrophic, there's a reason for it. You know, I believe there's a reason for everything. And it's about, even though at this point in our history, it may seem really bad, in a couple of years, that event will make so much more sense to many people. So these dark angels are like Putin, like Trump, you know, some of the most hated people, um, and mostly difficult role to play. You were kind of choppy because of your internet. So I'm going to just kind of summarize and see if I'm right. Dark angels are out there that instigate all these negative and catastrophic things that happen on our world, but they're doing it ultimately for a good purpose to create change. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. You also channel and or communicate with Pleiadians and the Galactic Federation. Can you tell us about that? Yes, so the Palladians, I started off reading a book by a lady called Bracca Goldsmith, um, which was written back in the 1970s called Bringers of the Dawn. No, sorry, Barbara Marciniak. And as I was reading this book, I realized that inadvertently I'd been channeling the Palladians. So, for example, I started telling anybody who would listen that the word should needed to be eradicated from the dictionary. Because when we say, oh, I should have done this, it implies guilt and blame. And that was something which was in Barbara's book about the Palladians. And I was like, wow. And so there was a lot of 
things that I'd been verbally saying to friends and family, which were in this book and written down. So I remember just sitting one day and thinking, oh, can I connect with the Palladians? And I just asked them to come through and I was like, who are you? And they said that they were beings from the fifth dimension, that they're the closest to us in terms of our energy and vibration and that they were around us all at the minute, surrounding us with love, bringing compassion in, etc. And the more that I started working with the Palladians, then other beings started coming in. So there was, um, I think it's Hathor and the Galactic Council. So the Galactic Council, for anyone who, has, who wasn't aware of it or has heard of it, is basically made up of different beings from different galaxies and across yeah, across the system, however big that is. And they all come together to make decisions um, about planet Earth and about other planets, etc. But it needs to have one member from each different space. So there's generally 12 of them. And sometimes I've been taken into a room where the Galactic Council are meeting. Sometimes they're whispering. Sometimes they're sharing quite loudly their thoughts. Um, so, yeah. What's kind of cool about this podcast is it seems from time to time, if not more often, that one podcast links to another one. And maybe a week or two weeks ago, I had a podcast where the guests were talking about that you not to use the word should, must, need, and one other one because it, it creates guilt on people. So it's it's cool that now you're here saying the same thing but you're only using the word should but still kind of you know amplifying the same thing again and it's really interesting when you become aware of that word and you use practice stop using it it's it's like something just shifts within you and you know like I, I don't feel guilty for not doing something anymore you know whereas sometimes you think oh I should have done this or I should have done that it implies regret you know Whereas, like, I have no regrets about my life so far. You know, I've loved it. I've enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And it's just interesting. So if any of your listeners are using the word should, I would invite them to just start becoming aware. And when you do see it, try to just change your language. All right. The last thing I'd like to talk about is that you live off the grid. And I believe you're living like in a travel trailer. Can you tell us about it and how it all works for you? Yeah, so back in back in 2018, I ended up in a sweat lodge. Um, and in a meditation, I was told by one of my spirit guides to claim the unclaimed land. And he just showed me a vast cliff. And I came out of the meditation. I was like, I don't even know what unclaimed land is. And it started me really like exploring and looking into who owns the land in the UK, you know, and what is unclaimed land? How do you claim your own space? And and then I sort of left it for a little while. And last March, I started saying to my children, you know, if I buy a caravan, should we go and live in it? <laughs> and then a caravan just appeared on Facebook Marketplace. So I've never caravaned in my life. I'm, I've only camped twice in my life. And so I went to see this caravan and I looked inside and I asked if the, I just said, does it leak? He said, no. I said, right, I'll buy it. Hmm. And I drove home. I rang my dad. I said, I've just bought a caravan. And he went, what for? He went to live in it. I went, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> so, 
so yeah it was very much you know a leap of faith having that trust that this is where i'm meant to be and um yeah so i moved in last june and yeah um like i was saying to you earlier it's 17 foot so there's myself and um i've got two children and they stay with me half the week and then spend time with the dad half the week and it's really helped just for me reconnect into nature i've done a lot of foraging while i've been here finding out what what weeds you can eat what weeds you can you know like nettle making nettle soup making my own line of tinctures and products to sell and just being really aware of the seasons more and the cycles and i've just finished writing um a book about my journey which i hope will inspire others as you know to leave the system it's really nice not to get bills through my post box every day <laughs> Do you normally stay parked in one area, like a national park or something? The caravan that I bought, it is a touring caravan, but unfortunately the car that I have doesn't have a tow bar on. So I am static at the minute, um, but I've actually quite liked being in one space and getting used to that adjustment, you know, rather than taking my caravan here, there and everywhere. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a massive learning curve and a massive experience. It can get really cold in England. Does it keep you warm? Yes, it does. Yeah. Thankfully, I've got some really nice heating in here. So, yeah, it's it's you, you end up having often two like opposites. So in the winter, you have your heating on and then it's been really hot. We've had a heat wave these last two days where it becomes more like a sauna and you just want to be outside. <laughs> I guess when you adopt this lifestyle, you have to kind of live a minimalist lifestyle, right? Yeah, definitely. So there's, um, there was some stuff that I put into storage, um, mostly my children's toys because they would not let me get rid of them. But I gave away all my furniture. Um, I burnt approximately 15,000 photos that I'd had that I'd just been carrying around from when I was younger. It was actually very cathartic, you know, mm. to, to really just let go of stuff that I didn't love anymore or that I didn't want to have in the new space. Um, and now it's a bit of a one in one out policy with books and with clothes and everything else. So, yeah, it's kind of nice because you're literally getting rid of all this baggage. Definitely. And yeah, I felt when I first moved here, I felt so much lighter and it was like an opportunity to start again and only bring in those things, like I said, that I really loved and valued with me. Um, and it, it just going back to like that simpler way, you know, I don't have as much cleaning to do. I've got about a six foot gap of carpet that I need to hoover once a week, which takes me like two seconds, you know, and I'm not having to clean a three bedroom house anymore and worry about all the stuff that comes with running a house. The bills are sim much more simpler. You know, I have my mobile phone, I have my internet and my rent and that's it. All right, Lindsay, well, I'm running out of time, so... How can people find out more about you? You have your YouTube channel. Do you have a website or anything else? Yeah, so it's in the process of moving domains. So it's lindybanks.uk. Um, and you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, the usual social media channels. If people want to reach out and ask you questions, should they do that through your YouTube channel or through your website? So, yeah, so if they do it through my YouTube channel, they can connect there or 
wherever they feel most comfortable. I'm happy to answer questions from Instagram on YouTube and yeah, through my website, my email address is on there as well. So you can send an email. Well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I just feel, you know, that as a collective, we are on the right path. We are doing exactly the right things we need to be. And it's about just keep connecting with your heart and asking yourself, what is it I love to do? What contribution can I bring into this world right now? How can I be most of service? And trust, trust yourself, trust the path, trust the journey, you know, and we'll get there. Lindsay, thank you for that message. And thank you for giving me some of your time today. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you so much for having me, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.